we hate time travel, except when we love it. Here at Feature Please, a hateful voyage to the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I will not be constrained by precedent as your co-host, Peter. Let's not do any dicking around this week, Peter, because what did we watch? Season 7, episode 28, the series finale of Star Trek Voyager Endgame. We finally did it, man. We got there. We we watched every single episode of Star Trek Voyager, and it all was leading up to this. Uh, and not binge watching either, right? These are one at a time, once a week, minus an unfortunate excursion into Picard, which uh, we will not talk about. Well, no, we'll probably have to talk. We'll about probably it. have to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah, long. Uh long road here and i guess that's a conversation to have when we do the season uh seven rip or we rip the the rest in peace the entire series but looking at this guy as a standalone event my wife actually sat through and watched this whole thing you know as did as did mine as did as much as a trek wife could watch this you know phone in front of her face texting listening occasionally asking me a question like what the fuck are they talking about me and, and me being like stevie stayed relatively engaged uh throughout our watching um she has watched approximately eight seconds of season seven mm-hmm. so it was uh she uh she didn't need to be caught up on much except i think just who is reg barkley you know, that that was that was something that the, she missed out on uh, regular full time series actor for Voyager, Reginald Barkley, <laughs> Dwight Schultz, not so secret MVP, uh, Dwight Schultz. Uh, my wife asked, like I said, a couple questions. I don't know. I, I would just go ahead and spoil it here, even though it's God, I got I've not taken this many notes in a long time. I've got three full. No. I'm driving home from work and taking notes on my phone. I got four pages (laughs) of fucking notes here, man. I I got five. Uh, And I typically stop taking notes because my my uh, method for watching ended up being to kind of watch it just before record and then really go through some of the stuff online about the episodes and the production background thinking about what I watched. So I haven't had need to take notes in, in quite some time. But uh, since it was an hour and a half and I really wanted to make sure I explored every crevasse, I ended up taking a lot of a lot of notes here. Uh, my wife uh, said she was going to watch this with me before I told her it was an hour and a half. Oh, it's and, not nice. Yeah, I let her walk into the trap on her own. Oh, yeah. Her big question, though, and I'm going to go ahead and throw this this turkey right out in the open. Uh-huh. Um, did, did I miss did, did they spend this is her question. Did I miss something? Did they spend like a lot of time setting up? Chakotay and seven and i said funny you mention that <laughs> yeah yeah that got a pretty strong you know from stevie when she saw it <laughs> everything that i said to defend um god what was the the last time we had seven and nine wanting to be a real girl well i mean human only error. human human, only error, human right? yeah yeah which I, I was under the impression that everybody hated that episode and a lot of it was because Beltran was selected in it. And I was like, no, man, this, you know, this works. This is a great episode. And Beltran works within the criterion. Take all those defenses I laid out for only human or human error. 
and just throw him in the fucking trash for this. Like, what a bolted on monstrosity sideshow infesting this episode. I really it was literally the thing they did because they had nothing else to do with those characters. It's the last fucking leader in the Maquis returning back to the Alpha Quadrant after his entire cause has been oh, eradicated. We'll He's get... like fucking Osama bin Laden. All right? <laughs> the best you could do is come up with uh, a picnic in Cargo Bay 3. I think in the context of what they decided to do for the finale, which was, and this was my, my complaint is, which is kind of fast forwarding here, but since we're... Uh, you know, it's the airing the grievances. Season. Yeah, airing the grievances. It's Festivus. Um, it's that the show ends abruptly. Now, Miserable. yeah, uh, I uh, I think I think that that is an interesting stylistic choice. That the story was about their journey, so now that the journey is over, really like doing too much epilogue may not have been a good idea. Stevie actually liked that. Like, this is the end. Right. Like this, the story continues for these characters, but we will not see it. This our our view into their world oh, was them yes. getting home. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anybody. Guys, did you not know the voyage you got home? <laughs> oh, no. I mean, seriously, if you're 180 fucking episodes deep into this goddamn podcast and you didn't know that that was going to happen and somehow we just blew the surprise. I'm actually not sorry. Whoever you are out there, whoever you are. Not sorry to you. No, no. I, on one hand, maybe at the peak of Berman era Trek, they just, everybody assumed, Hey, we can flesh this out further in the Voyager movie. Maybe they were just like, all right, this thing. And I'm sure you've got some uh, viewership numbers to lay on me at some point here. Oh, those will, those will happen when we get into the rips. I have research ready. Maybe, you know, they knew that mm, this thing kind of withered and died on the vine. Let's just close it and fucking get on to the next thing before, uh, you know, we have to spend any more time here. I don't know. But uh, we got teleplay by Kenneth Biller, seasoned veteran at this point, and Robert Doherty. Story by Rick Berman. That's executive producer. That is that is Mr. Star Trek, right? Yeah, the the guy. Kenneth Bewilder, who has given us the best of highs and the lowest of lows. And Brandon Braga, who is another um, powerhouse executive producer. And they all got together and said at the beginning of season seven. Quick side note. Take all the times we've brought up, man, Memory Alpha is looking anemic. Where are these Memory Alpha writers at? Season six and season seven, there's barely no effort being put in these Memory Alpha entries. Everybody took all the time for the past two seasons and put all of that writing effort into the end game memory alpha, which is at least I couldn't even tell you how many fucking pages this is. It's a lot. It's it's a season's worth of content for just this episode. That that's got to be forty tons of like side stories of like when Japanese tourists showed up one day, like all kinds of nitty gritty detail you never needed to know about the production of this episode and it's in this one there are episodes that we were like oh let's see if we can find some fucking background or someone talking about this shit and we just would find nothing like oh there was a call sheet for this day and that's like all that's in there well mm-hmm. this is a there's a, a still image from this in the season six dvd extras <laughs> oh, here's robert beltran's hand double um so you've got 
the oldest of the old boys club here possible. <clears throat> it would have taken, what's his face? Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Ron Moore. Ron Moore to be included in this to put any more big name Star Trek uh, production writing credit in there. So the oldest of old boys got together at the beginning of season seven and said, how are we going to close this thing out? And they proceeded to write a script for an hour and a half episode. Um, that makes me wonder if Rick Berman, Kenneth Biller, or Bran Braga ever watched Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> I, that's harsh. That's harsh. I think that there's a lot to like here. I think that... You're absolutely right. You don't have to have seen a lot of Voyager to write a good Voyager episode if you're willing to excuse the fact that like fuck continuity isn't that the original sin of voyager that we have repeated over and over and over again for the last four years and wouldn't it be weird if somehow not fuck continuity fuck precedent this show has lived and died on a single consistent concept which is we want people to just be able to pick up and watch this thing and not having had to watch all of it and that was all that was so much more evident because of the format that we have gone through and how we've watched this show when they were sitting down at the pitch meeting uh with the initial writing crew and production staff jerry taylor and all that lisa kink and they said what if we wrote a Star Trek show where we just didn't give a fuck. Or it was lost in space, right? Like they just wanted to be able to not worry about what they wanted to do. And I understand this impulse was not be chained by the universe of Star Trek too tightly because it was so big and so much had gone on and there's so much continuity and there's years and seasons and episodes of stuff. And people are so into those details that if you're creative trying to make these shows, you want to put yourself in a position of being able to take a piece of that and then do something interesting or different or buck wild with it. And they're like, Hey, how about this? Let's take a, a, a ship and let's put them on the other side of the fucking galaxy where there's no fucking Federation. There are no Klingons. There are no Romulans. There's no Cardassians. There's Bajorans. There's Ferengis. There's nothing. Only two Ferengis. And we can like take pieces of that and use it as we want to. But the point is it's out there by itself. And now we can just do crazy shit. We can, we can make it lost in space. And, and what you're saying is fair, but it's not that they're ignoring the Star Trek legacy. It's that they're ignoring in this episode specifically Voyager's own established canon. And I, I think we're really starting to stray into like series rip or maybe even season rip. Maybe. Uh, and it's probably natural to do because it is literally the last episode. So I'll pull it back. Sure. But to the extent that they violate their series canon in this, and I don't think that they do necessarily. Oh, just wait. Oh, you're going to, that's what these pages are for. Okay. That's what this page is. Okay. All right. Well, Peter has literally physically shown me a page of notes on this topic. So why don't we just start talking about the episode so that he can get to it. They're typed notes, by the way. I mean, he came, he came ready. He could submit this for a a thesis, I think. Here's where we're going to start this thesis is uh, help yourself to some bad CGI. 
not only bad CGI, but the stock here is a picture of modern 20, 2000, 2001 San Francisco, including a bridge that literally doesn't exist anymore. But uh, we'll put a starship over it and it's future San Francisco now. You got Voyager flying through. Um, and this is a cold open, right? Just Voyager, Earth, San Francisco, fireworks, 20 people assembled on a bridge. And then the announcer starts, uh, you know, Voyager after its triumphant flight home, uh, 23 year travel back to the Alpha Quadrant being celebrated today on the uh, decade anniversary. So this is 33 years after Caretaker. Right. Uh, so it's approximately 25 years from the point that we are at in the series. A much older yet not at all wrinkled. Catherine Janeway walks out to her patio with uh, a cup of what we would assume is coffee, but I'm sure it was probably tea and wistfully looks out uh, into the Bay Area. We're going to see a whole bunch of aged up makeup would be the way I would describe it. And as you just pointed out, and as also Stevie pointed out when we watched it together, it is a. Uh, a gentle aging up because no wrinkles in sight. Just, you know, got that classic. Uh, the hair has got some different kind of color. It's been white. You are what you eat. And Catherine Janeway certainly has had her fair share of uh, gray fox. So, <laughs> And Catherine Janeway has had a voracious appetite for the silver foxes, uh, as we've seen. I'm going to assume that the fact that they didn't age her face at all was just like an act of kindness because she spends so much time in this garb. They're like, listen, we're going to keep you out of the makeup chair as much as possible. You're just getting the gray wig and that's it. It works. You get the point, right? Like you don't need super detailed aging makeup on everybody for these future scenes. It's the future. They're all older. Uh, you know, some of the actors themselves just actually kind of look more their age, you know, <laughs> like, Robbie McNeil just finally gets to just let his hairline relax a little bit. He doesn't have to force it anymore, you know, cause he's, you know, now he's middle-aged and bald. So gotcha. like it's, it's fine. It works. I will say I sat there and watched the entire intro for one last time, just for nostalgia. Same. A wistful goodbye. Given what yeah. we're about to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, we do get a lingering shot in this open cold open in the cold opener of a very beat up mug. And I I guess that's one of the great shames of Voyager is that for coffee being such an important thing, they never really had a dedicated prop for her coffee cup. And sometimes it was like a fancy tea cup and sometimes it was like a mess hall cup and sometimes it was a different thing. So I get what they were going for here, but uh, this is a classic example of uh, Voyager mourning the crew member that we never actually met before. Yeah, that that cool Maquis that loved to get into fights all the time. Yeah. So we, we cut to our, our first act, and that includes a uh, awkward party, apparently, at uh, now Admiral Janeway's apartment in San Francisco, which, of course, is incredibly nice. And it's a commanding view of things. So apparently our theory from uh, back when Harry Kim uh, had uh, his 
his dream adventure back home with his cavewoman girlfriend that the shittier your job, the nicer your apartment is, is not exactly true. I want to point out because we get at least four or five shots of the outside of Janeway's apartment, and it is a picture of some sort of multi-occupant office complex with a low-resolution picture of the Death Star behind it. You can see it there in Memory Alpha where it actually has the, the, the card, the endgame card on it. It's terrible. I don't know why they're so proud of this thing, but um, she she lives in a shitty office building and I feel bad for her. The party, as you said, is pretty low energy and that's to be expected because it's Janeway putting this on. She foolishly let Neelix go at the last Talaxian truck stop. <laughs> I mean, it would probably be bitching. There would be Polynesian girls. His feet would be just loose everywhere. Good times, bad times. I'd take it. We uh, see f- a lot of uniforms. And specifically I, the uh, the uh, all, far, good things. all good things future uh, uniforms. So they kind of busted that design back out along with the uh, future com badges. I love the future com badges. And I thought. I loved the all good things future uniforms, but watching them here in in good lighting, these things are awful. And I think that comes from the old man waistline they have where the pants start somewhere around the armpits. There is one character where the unflattering nature of these uniforms becomes the most apparent, uh, that being Muriel Paris. But we'll get to her. Not exactly meant for the use that they're given here, but you get it right. Like it's the future. So they're using the same future, you know, uniforms you saw in another show that did the same thing. I, and I, I, I think it's correct still, even if they don't look very good. Absolutely. It's correct. It's just these ill fit and they look miserable. I, uh, I did find it very interesting to think though, that they end up borrowing so heavily from the, next generation series finale in this Voyager one. You know, you're dealing with the same periods of time. You're dealing with the same concepts of you can go back in time and save the present day and save your friends and, and break your own morals and rules. And Oh, I think that's, they're very different in that regard. Like the time travel element of of all good things was obviously Q's test of, can you think out of the box? So we're going to give you this, this weird, um, a paradox that you have to figure out and it isn't so much morals or ethics. This is straight up, you know, the subtitle of this episode is Janeway decides rules are for losers. <laughs> like this is, this is actually her deciding it's almost a meta commentary. You know, the, the, the short version of the plot is Admiral Janeway decided that things did not work out the way that she wanted in terms of getting the ship home. And that Captain Janeway passed on too many MacGuffins that were shortcuts. So she decides to hop back in time and say, yo bitch, turn this ship around. We're going home. I don't care what you have to say about it. It's not my notes, but now you've unleashed my mind on uh, some very pointy questions if Admiral Janeway is going to go back in time, and and this will be a big conversation for later as to why she chose to do what she does, other than, hey, we need a fancy TV show with a lot of pew pew and bang bang. Like, 
to break all of the rules. You're not just going back in time and like changing the course of events of history. But hey, here's like bonkers future tech too. Yeah. If you could have gone back in time, Admiral Janeway, to false prophets. Yeah. Just go through the fucking map. Just go. You could have gone back to false prophets with your personal cloaking device. And and they wouldn't have they wouldn't have had seven of nine by then. That would have been your excuse for why they couldn't have gone to false prophets. Yeah, but they'd have Hogan and like the 40 other fucking people that that died, you know, between then. But anyway, she could have just like transported both the Ferengi out in the vacuum of space and let them fucking die. So Voyager could have gotten in the wormhole home. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of missed opportunities to get home that she could have uh, lubricated Voyager through. But, you know, would those have been the God, what if that would have been the fucking season for the series finale? The, the, Same plot. Just go back and just just aces both of those guys right after they escape whatever dickhead jabroni security guard got beat up by two Ferengi. And I was like, you could have beamed down to the surface. Uh, and while Neelix was knocked out, just shot both those guys in the head. And Neelix would have woken up and they're dead and be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I guess I was just a little too new, Jack, for him. I thought I was a pussy this episode. Apparently I was a badass. Hey, all right. One to beam up. We're going home, guys. Let's get out. Wrap it up. Mm-hmm. I I likened this episode to if you're playing an MMO and your guildy who's level 60 and has all epics takes you and just power levels you and shows you all the exploits along the way. Yeah. Yeah. This Absolutely. Is, this is what it is. It's future Janeway power levels past Voyager so they can solo a bunch of elite mobs it's it's i i actually really i like this premise May, and maybe that's where you and i have the biggest i like that janeway is just kind of jaded cynical and selfish in her old age and decided you know what fuck all this you are I, absolutely right it is a great premise i love her playing a foil to herself mm-hmm. um specifically my complaint on this is we have had what one season finale which was um uh future's end and relativity and a couple of voyager has made a very big fucking deal out of the time police yeah the future's end wasn't a season finale that was like mid-season oh, it was a two-parter uh, whatever it was a two-parter it was uh, a big fucking the, the year of hell was a bit all about time manipulation for personal gain. Not Yeah, but I'm know. talking about specifically where like future Federation time cops come back in time and sometimes try to blow Voyager up, sometimes try to gently massage things, sometimes plant, um, you know, bombs in the in the in the engineering glory holes. And it could and- have been that she had one line of like cat, you know, older Harry Kim, Captain Harry Kim, you know, being aware of her prior, like, you know, experience with the time cops be like, what's going to happen when the, the temporal police pull you over for this. And then it's like, Oh, this thing I stole is why I've been looking for it. Cause it like mass pierces time space in a way that they can't detect. Like that's it. That's all you really needed to solve that problem. And that's all I need. And you're telling me that, that Kenneth Biller, and Bran Branagh don't know better than to throw that one fucking line. And they're like, I don't know who wrote Future's End, uh, but I'm guessing that some of those names are involved. A lot of this episode 
feels to me like a uh, big dick Rick Berman came in here and everybody's like, oh, fuck, the, 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 the boss's boss is coming in today. And he starts saying shit. And like Kenneth Biller's like, hey, but, you know, no, no, Ken, I'm telling you, no, don't, we, we don't need to do that. Yeah, but, sir, the forums, I, I don't care what they're saying on the Internet. I don't care. <laughs> What people when did this come out? Uh, May of two thousand one. I don't care what people are going to say twenty years from now on uh, on internet radio. This is this is great. Don't worry, it's going to work. It's going to. We we can't give out two lines of dialogue explaining why the time cops don't know about this. We need all that space for this hot Chicote on seven toward love affair. There's the same argument you can make about timeless though. Timeless was another episode where they're fucking with time to fix something, right? Like bitter, bitter Harry Kim and bitter Chakotay have to go back and basically prevent Voyager from blowing up. Mm-hmm. And the time cops don't get involved with that either. And that's very much after your introduction to the concept. Sure. And, and we also you know, gold like we, in- we nailed timeless to the cross on that very same thing as well. But uh unlike endgame timeless was fucking amazing and beyond reproach so uh, i will let timeless get away with murder i am certainly going to hold endgame the series finale uh accountable to major pivot points in the voyager uh pantheon to me while I agree that detail would have been correct for them to address, and it is a small mark against it that it does not, I make you maintain it that it is small. To me, the much bigger thing that they got correct in this episode is exactly what you said, which is, this is the finale. There is going to be an exterior antagonist, and we'll get to them. But the real masterstroke they pull off is they make Janeway the villain as, as well as the hero. Which is, this is all being done because one woman decides that her friends and family surviving this ordeal more intact than they did is more important than time and space. And she's just not up for a discussion about it. She's watched her best friend have essentially Vulcan Alzheimer's. She's over that. Her One of her other closest friends, a man who built a hot tub for her and she did not fuck him, you know, died a, a miserable, lonely death because her protege, you know, died along the way and she can't carry that weight anymore. She's she's decided she wants a different future for the people that she loves. It also doesn't stop there because we go all the way back tonight. And that was season five. five? That was season five's premiere. That was uh, Bran Branagh's on deck. And it's time for everybody's turn in the barrel. Everybody's going to have a bad time, starting with Catherine Janeway, who is going to finally have to slow down and fess up to the fact that she fucked up with the caretaker relay with the the action she took on behalf of the Ocompans. And Catherine Janeway stranded everybody on Voyager in the Delta Quadrant. And future Admiral Janeway throws that right in her face. I'm having flashbacks. Here we are with a chance to get home. And once again, you know, stupid Captain Janeway is going to play a superhero and try and save the world rather than look out for her crew and do what's smart and get people home. And I, I love that they brought the premise of the entire series to bear and forced uh, younger Janeway to, to, to reconcile with that. 
And the fact that the plot of this episode is essentially the process of the older, embittered Admiral Janeway coming to the conclusion that she understood why her younger self did those things. And she's had all these years to stew in the consequences, and she lost sight of the reason why she made those choices that she made and that those choices ultimately were correct. And, you know, it's hard to nail a pre like that particular kind of, of premise, particularly when you're basically ask asking an actor, I need you to just carry this whole fucking thing, right? Like Kate Mulgrew, this is your show. You are the finale. You are playing both of the main characters and you're primarily going to be talking with yourself and you got to make that shit work. And she does. And so to me, this episode is very, very good. It is held back only in its small details and yeah, the time cops. Yeah. There's not much at the end. I think those are points against it, but overall, if you're going to create a finale for Voyager, this is a pretty good one. Speaking of weak points and, and poor choices back at the party. Yeah. We Captain another... Kim hitting on a little girl. <laughs> it's his natural habitat. Mm -hmm. It's not a, it's not a Dan why, unless it's one of the Wildman family or, or one of Kess's children or whoever these advanced quick aging, you know, races are. And not only is he uh, hitting on a child, but he's also, doing a real bad job acting old. He has a really good couple scenes later on, but overall Garrett Wang uh, ends the show the way he started it with a wet fart. <laughs> he's just not compelling. Uh, he, he's got the gray hair. He's got the captain's pips. So he's captain Harry Kim and he's talking to Sabrina Wildman, who is Naomi Wildman's daughter who we don't we don't see an, an older Naomi Wildman in this although thankfully well we saw we saw an older Naomi in uh Shattered yeah. the clip show and that was actually pretty good it was um uh strong point to this party for me is the doctor showing up with uh his super hot floozy new wife and he drops some other hot news uh and that is his name is Joe and i love Paris blasting and saying 33 years and the best name you come up with is Joe. I do like that. His new wife kind of looks like seven of nine. Oh yeah. I, I, at first I was like, Oh, is this seven? Nope. That's not seven, but obviously the doctor's got a type. I'm sorry. Joe has a type. Tom, elder Tom Paris kind of looks like a John Voight. No, Super he looks like future Biff Tannen. <laughs> Okay, future Biff Tannen also has the same forehead as his wife now. Um, Only his ridges are made out of like uh, scabs, <laughs> old man gold member scabs. I do like that Tom Paris clearly got quit the fuck out of uh, Starfleet the moment he uh, he got home and just writes hollow novels now. Like Tom Paris ain't staying in Starfleet. Tom yep. Paris ripped that fucking uniform off the moment he got back to hers. <laughs> he was not interested. I was very surprised to see Barkley involved in this, uh, especially Barkley involved to the extent he was. That was a delight the whole way through. But seeing him at the party, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, they did a really good job, I think, uh, aging Dwight Schultz. And then as a stark contrast, as we said to all of this, 
is Janeway with her great hair, her gray hair, but tight, smooth face features. I can only assume that uh, the Sorna technology from Insurrection is like a secret shared only with the Admiralty to fight those wrinkles they go through, like the skin tightening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Admiral Daughtry. Yeah. Yeah. Only, you know, she didn't get her face completely ripped off and died because she wasn't a, a dumb bee. Oh, I, I do like that uh, Barkley, he's at this party. And this is a, a first of all, Commander Barkley. So he actually got promoted all the way to Commander. And then they're like, okay, stop. You're all, you're, this is it. This is your ceiling. <laughs> no, no captain's chair for you there, um, uh, Barkley. That's just, uh, we're not making that mistake. But he's like very confident. It's very different, you know. Yeah. They, they, it's, it's neat to see him having obviously changed a lot as time went on. I didn't really stop to reflect. No, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I noticed that earlier because later on he'll start stammering and go back into his old Barkley routine. But like about the time he's teaching the class, I was like, wow, this really is a, a grown character at this point. And maybe it what didn't jump off the screen as much as it should have initially, because we did get a lot of confident Barkley in um, what was the Ferengi, the Ferengi Barkley episode? Oh yeah. I forget the name of it. That was the season though. Uh, it was inside man, inside, inside man. man. Right. Uh, so you've got that level of confidence, maybe not as swanky, uh, but you are dealing with a confident, mentally balanced, uh, healthy person. And but it was fun, though, like once he starts trying to lie about what's going on, the old habits come out. I also like that he's close with the crew, because in this version of the universe, he spent essentially another 25 years. Well, 15 years helping him get home. Yeah. And then, yeah, then, yeah. then 10 years kind of like, obviously like part of the t- team once they got home too. like, he was their primary contact. He's, he's very vested in their lives so much so that like you buy that he's as close to them as everyone else. Yeah. His parenthetical, right. Uh, when he, when he passes on and they write his obituary, uh, they're not going to mention him for his time on the D the flagship. It's going to be, you know, in, in association with Voyager. He is now fully transferred as a TNG character to a primary Voyager character. The other aged up character we see at the party is actually Bolana, who's again, very gently aged. And uh, she is apparently a, some kind of diplomat with Kronos uh, now, which uh, seems an odd choice given uh, Bolana. Uh, diplomatic skill involved like committing telepathic hate crimes at one point. Uh, so uh, not not uh, kind of an awkward idea, but I guess there wasn't like chief engineer uh, potential there to make this plot work. I liked it because of the work they do in the space Klingon baby Jesus episode. Oh, that's a good point. Like she really comes like back in touch with how she's a bridge between those cultures. Yeah, I, I thought that was a smart move, putting her in as that diplomat. Uh, but we find out that Janeway is working an angle. There's She's... a guy, his name's Karath. He needs a seat on the High Council. And she's calling on her old friend, Bolana Torres. Or is it Bolana Paris? It was Bolana Torres. She doesn't take Paris? No, it doesn't sound like it. But hers, their their kid, Muriel, uh, has taken uh, the uh, Tom's last name, and she apparently is working the case as well. Uh, in this case, an ensign, Muriel Paris. So there's something going on. Then you can instantly tell that it's something big. It's it's kind of talked about in hushed tone. But hey, let's get back into the party. 
Um, the next scene is the academy scene where Barkley's teaching a class about the Borg. And this is where like some cadets bring up seven of nine asking like eager questions of Admiral Janeway, like about them where it's obviously a pain point and it's very, very clear from how painful it is that clearly something bad happened to seven of nine. She's not in the picture anymore. And it's also an opportunity where they specifically call out Unimatrix zero. Uh, That was of course the episode where Janeway fosters a civil war, which as you pointed out, and as I've now seen, ultimately never has any fucking impact on the Borg or Star Trek as a whole. Yep, never went anywhere at all. The big takeaway from Unimatrix Zero, if I was to believe what I saw on the screen, and that was the thought of Borg cubes being destructed all willy-nilly really hurt Janeway's feelings and that Borg lives mattered. This is not a sentiment that will continue through this episode. Spoiler alert. Drone lives most certainly do not matter to Catherine Janeway. Um, Catherine Janeway disposes of Borg lives indiscriminately in this episode. Yeah. On a genocide level. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting they brought up old Unimatrix Zero, but hey, fuck president, right? <clears throat> Jane, we gets called to her office and that's where we see first uh, 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 for the first time, Muriel Paris, our last nineties hottie is Muriel Paris. Who played her? I don't know, but uh, I really wish we could have had more time with whoever the fuck this was. Like she seemed cool. That's what Stevie said. Like she seems really cool. Why couldn't have she been a character instead of Harry Kim? like why what is what is this uh, okay so let me let me go back to my favorite place in the episode which is the completely unnecessary um chakotay seven of nine romance plot from hell all right take muriel paris who's pretty fucking cool and nice to have on screen because she's got her dad's like hip cool guyness, right yeah and have her go with Janeway to the to the past. Oh, that'd have been a great idea. Give me some fucking amazing uh, interactions between Tom and Bellana and their daughter twenty some years in the future. Yeah, like right before she's born. You know, like right. oh hey mom dad like and they're, they're like uh <laughs> take and they'll they'll touch on it a little bit and i thought it's a really cool plot point like when when things start opening up and um Bellana's like oh shit you know i can't believe what's happening like we might actually get home i could be delivering this baby at starfleet medical instead of the the voyager medical bay and she gets scared right it goes back to uh time or a klingon baby jesus episode god what was that episode was it tapestry Klingon baby Jesus. Uh, no, I forget. Generational the ship episode. Yeah. A the big... one where the one where, where Neelix fucks the giant Klingon lady. In and actually, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, it was the previous episode to that where she hot wires the EMH to approve her like eugenicsing the baby. But all of the um, 
the the apprehension and anxiety she had about raising a half Klingon, half human baby. It's scary. I went through a really hard time. Tom, no, you know, we live in Voyager. It's a safe environment, whatever. And now her being confronted with like, gosh, that whole plan, that safety nets out the window, we're going to be back on Earth. That was really cool. I I like that. But I think I would have liked more uh, a confirmation from their daughter. You guys do a great job on me. I turn out great. I love you. You're going to, you know, I would have liked to see that. Agreed. I think that would have only left them with a way of like disposing of her in a way that wasn't too like traumatic. Obviously they get rid of Admiral Janeway in a perfectly. Yes. Uh, so, you know, like maybe there was like a one, one way back to the future type of thing. I don't know. That might be just, just complicated the story a little bit too much to do, but I agree that would have created some cool scenes there. And you could have, like you said, you could have just deleted the romance subplot. Yes. And made all kinds of room for other things. Uh, the whatever Muriel Paris is working on, it involves some kind of object that she has seen and that it does work. And she has made the deal with this this guy that has it. They don't say anything about what it is, only that Janeway is hot to get it so hot that she goes to visit a friend of hers, Tuvok. I, I was they, they cut the camera in and it's candlelight and a quill pen writing on parchment. And for a second there, I was like, is Janeway about to go to fucking Da Vinci to, to John Reese Davies? Did John Reese Davies show up? In I, this I need to think I need to go to my special place to think I need to talk to my old friend. John Reese Davies and I, I got excited for a second. I was like, you know, if they bust Da Vinci out, who last time we saw him was just a miserable cartoon of a man, <laughs> I will forgive them and I will welcome him back. I will show amnesty. No Gimli, though. Instead, we are visiting a obviously distressed Tuvok, as I mentioned, uh, is has essentially a Vulcan Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. He is struggling to comprehend things clearly, Um, clearly just incapacitated mentally. We don't know what happens there uh, at this point in the episode because it's all flash forwards here at the beginning. There's no flashbacks to actual Voyager for quite some time. And the, the the sense is that she is saying goodbye to him and he's kind of getting that but also is disconnected from it and she ultimately leaves a picture of the senior staff in uh, his i room. believe that's a season three cast photo that they featured on netflix i think it might be season four five or six because it has seven of nine in it true yeah so who took that picture did Janeway just give everybody go guys come on we're gonna go take a picture down in engineering by the warp core <laughs> say cheese selfies i uh <laughs> We're going to go to the holodeck and I've actually got a great um, JC Penney's photography studio uh, program and they're going to make a replica. You get it. All right. And then Janeway summons the doctor to her apartment to get a physical who also looks terrible in the uniform. And I do like that their interaction suggests that the doctor's attempts to be more friendly with Janeway obviously paid off over the decades and they're very chummy and they're very friendly, like 
two people have known each other for a long time. The doctor casually mentions that, you know, he's going to live forever, including outliving his wife. <laughs> Real seem, casual about yeah, that. Yeah, doesn't seem to phase him at all. That guy watching an interview with a vampire was like, oh, yeah, sweet. Um, <clears throat> I was actually kind of surprised that the doctor sticks it out in Starfleet. I although had he broken off from Starfleet, I guess that'd be a little bit too much like all good things. Future data. I it makes sense for him to stick out in Starfleet, if only because he would be able to flex his doctoral muscles more. And that's obviously going to be really important to him. Like the people who are out make sense and the people who are in make sense. You know, the people who are stayed in are the lifers, right? Like you'd expect Harry Kim to continue his career, right? Like you'd expect Janeway to take an admiralty position, uh, but you definitely would expect Bolana Torres to be like, yeah, nope. <laughs> like, ping, <laughs> pull that shit right off. Yeah. Not Paris. into this. Uh, Paris being a hollow novelist in the future, which yeah. I liked. With a turtleneck. Very scholarly. But uh, the real reason why Jade Way has summoned the doctor is to basically ask for uh, cutting edge space drugs and kind of like manipulates the doctor into giving it to her. Be like, I just need it. It's classified. And she's like, he's like, well, okay. I mean, if it's classified, sure. You wouldn't lie to me. And he pulls that together and then has this secret meeting with Barkley in the dark where Barkley is clearly very much aware of a sinister plan that Janeway has and is facilitating it. And is like kind of like commando about like, I want to go. I want to assist you with this process. And uh, Janeway's like, nah, this is a one person deals like, well, then go with this nice thermos of tea I made for you. I think that along with um, Muriel Paris, I think the doctor would have also been a good option for a co-conspirator and going back in time and unfucking or not <laughs> for fucking things up. Um I think she could have leveraged the seven of nine death. Although I guess he's married now and happy and might not be as compliant in uh, time crime. I think that Barkley as the co-conspirator makes the most sense because he is somebody who's kind of made Voyager into his family from a distance. And like you said, he's just very much associated with it. And he would be the one that would be like, yes, everyone should make it home. I also think rules are dumb. Like, I get it. Like, everybody else has a life. Everyone else has things going on, right? Like, from temporal crimes to forging my coworkers so I can bang them on the holodeck, I have no room in my life for rules. A story of Reginald Barkley. Reginald Barkley is not a rules follower. Janeway doesn't have anything either. Everyone else, like they've got kids, you know, they've got spouses, they've got things going on. They're not going to, they're not going to help. You know, they have things to look forward to. Uh, let me go ahead and mention this right now too. Another big uh, shortcoming, I think for the episode is not once does anybody mention the fact, Janeway, if you're successful in what you're trying to do, you are going to undo the past 10 years of life and family and, and everything important to me. And you're going to throw it all in the drain. The last stop Janeway makes is to a gravestone 
it's very solemn, very autumn, very <laughs> fluty, very fluty. <laughs> what if the flute's built into the gravestone and it's like a motion sensor, like a Halloween novelty? You walk by the ghost, so it's like, <laughs> but you walk by Chakotay's grave and it starts playing a bullshit Indian flute. I, I want to be remembered how I lived a stereotype. <laughs> Good but grief. anyway, Kichiyote's dead. It is implied that Seven of Nine's death was related to his death. But according to the gravestone, uh, his death was actually much more, I guess, recent. It was in 2394. And this is all happening in the year 2404. So he died like right after they got home. They, they make it sound like he died of a fucking broken heart. You know, like, let me tell you something. Chakotay did not kill himself. All right. This is a Federation conspiracy. He was put in that detention cell to be, uh, quote unquote, debriefed. And when you tell me where the guards found him and he was hanged with his own uh, bedsheet, that that is <laughs> fake news there. All right. Chakotay was murdered by the Federation to suppress Maquis secrets from reaching mainstream media. We finally cut back to Epstein's I mean actual <laughs> Voyager and Tom's wooden bed we get a funny scene which is Bolada thinks she's about to give birth and Tom like has to rouse himself and he is the flustered husband and Bolada's just like I'm going to fucking sick bay and walks out it's actually kind of like a moment that is played for almost a sitcom level laughs and you don't ever see this in Star Trek. And I thought it was kind of funny. Um, and minus and if, Tom having to go to driver's ed school again. Yeah. The, the, Tom gets all the sitcom TV moments. It makes, which makes sense. Cause he's the 20th century TV aficionado. Mm-hmm. You know, this man's, this man's seen. I love Lucy. I'm just saying, I, I don't know why, but his wooden bed that he sleeps in with his wife pissed me off on many levels. Because of the replicator rations clearly used to create it. Not even that. It's just like the the production crew was like, all right, Tom's the one fucking cabin we can decorate and just not have to do any work. Just go down to rooms to go and buy some crap. And that's his. What's in the prop closet? That's a wooden bed. (laughs) All right. That's what he's got. Wooden bed. There's a pinball machine. I think we got a juke. Yeah, great. Just all that crap. Just throw it all in there. Good. Doctor's like, yo, it's not going to be today. Apparently Klingon pregnancy is weird. And we we go now to the ready room where, hey, like everyone is actually talking about when the hell was this baby going to be born? There's a betting pool. It's a big community moment, right? Like not a lot of kids being born on this ship. This will make number two, right? That is correct. So, you know, it makes sense. And everyone's like into like, oh, you know, it's it's a baby that we're all going to whose life we're all going to be a part of by necessity. And they also talk about replacing Neelix. Yeah. With Chell from space. Friendship is magic. We've seen Chell two times prior. One was, uh, whatever the real episode name was Fred space. Friendship is magic. And then we also got some Chell in the Voyager conspiracy, right? We also got him in the space terrorist casual episode. If I recall, which was season seven, the last Maquis oriented episode where uh, Tuvok gives everyone terrorist disease. <laughs> terrible. 
so we've seen Chell a few times, but so we, we know who he is and he does seem like Neelix's successor in a weird way of like, he's not built to be a space person, but he is probably built to like flip pancakes and talk, talk, you know, about the weather with you. Like that's actually kind of where he would, where he vibes. Yeah. He's got the jokes for sure. Um, what was it? The warp core pancakes or something. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. All of his, his menu was all like space jokes. Very bad. Red alert chili. Red alert chili, yeah. Yeah, I would go through memory alpha and try to Plasma find... Plasma leak it. soup, chicken uh, warp oh, core, it... dom blue, and red alert chili. There were two soup references in here. I got very excited. We had, um, I forget who it was on the trauma support group, uh, do a shout out to early season Voyager when we were very mindful of the soup fetish that the writer's room carried. I, uh, I know who it is. Uh, they don't use their real name on Facebook, which is probably wise. Smart move. Uh, smart move whoever you are you know who you are uh but yes apparently uh couldn't do the finale without a soup reference god bless continuity from from the pilot to the finale soup mm-hmm. nebula soup uh so yeah can does chell have the chops to replace neelix we don't know but uh we're not going to stick around in this scene too long Janeway's trying to get chakotay to a dinner but chakotay has unfortunately other plans and his plans involve going to the cargo bay and having a picnic lunch with seven of nine okay let me be clear i like that seven of nine is the most human you ever see her in this episode she is filled with emotion that is obvious but restrained the whole time she is dealing with things that we have seen her slowly develop into over the course of the last couple of seasons. And I really like that because, you know, the, the last two episodes that we really enjoyed were Neelix showing how much he's grown. And then the doctor showing how much he's grown. This is seven of nine showing so much. I mean, she, you know, compare where she is now to where she was at the beginning of season four. She's clearly a different person. Great. That's great. Fuck this romance. I hate it. I hated it in Human Error, and I hate it here. I didn't hate it in Human Error as a simulation. I need to practice on someone dating stuff, and Chakotay's accessible, and I think that, you know, I'm going to use him as a placeholder for for romance. It, It works on her end to a um a non-offensive level but chakotay it, it should not be here and i mean I, I at no point did i really desire to see a chakotay uh janeway romance what, what do they call them the the chakotay janeway shippers or something i'm sure i'm sure there's a name for it i'm sure there's for all of this crap filthy slash fic corner oh, of the internet bro that... i found it all man when Keep we did blood yourself. fever i'm just talking hypothetical <laughs> here i don't want any evidence empirical or otherwise if you're gonna jam him into a romance i think he's great to pursue women outside of the ship whether they're species 8472 uh former borg drones or whatever else he's co-opted and fallen in love with but man if if you're going to do this romance plot with him 
on the ship with someone else. It's got to be Janeway or at the very least, Janeway has to find out about this and and kind of have a hair up her ass about it, that her protege has just embraced the forbidden fruit she has denied herself for seven years. There's so much better things to focus on than some stupid last second romance plot. And maybe that's part of the reason why I'm so like biased against it irrationally is like, why the fuck now? Why in the world are we giving the screen times for seven of nine Chakotay in the finale to some bullshit romance between the two of them? It's a ramrod. Delete, delete this and just have them have scenes where they are reflect, they could just be talking with each other about like we're outsiders and we've got a lot to fucking deal with. If this pans out like Chicote's touched on that a little bit here and there. Now he's got to fucking confront it. Now that shit is real. And then seven of nine, not only does she confronting, like I'm going to be back at earth and I'm filled with anxiety. I've barely become a person, right? I'm like back at earth and I'm filled with fucking Borg nanoprobes. Like, am I going to get, uh, autopsied and disas- no disassembled Johnny five. And, and then deals with obviously Admiral Janeway, like telling her she fucking dies. And then I think it even, they you can even keep the future romance thing as a thing where they're not together at this point. So they're like, we get together. We're married. I'd buy that. Uh, yeah. That way but you're I mean, not spending too much fucking time on it, but you can still put these two together and just have different scenes and have been a much better use of the time. Do you get what I say, though, where it feels like the old boy club got together and just was like, hey, let's try our hand at making a TV movie and we need romance and damn the consequences and, and damn the precedent. It's going to be these two because we've got some. No, Real I read I read so they they thought they were on to something with the two of them in human error and that, that they just needed to pay it off. Like I just thought that it was a good idea. This comes off so bad that it actually makes me look forward to Tom Bellana scenes. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you how it is. It's just a- terrible and it sucks. Anyway, we do get a last scene with each ship. You know, like this is this is the you know, everyone's getting their final like, hey, what's up? You know, and this is the last scene before each gets tortured to death many years later and he beats Tuvok at Kalto. I love this scene. It's it's great for setting up the dark things to come for Tuvok. Uh, it's great for giving him this smug moment of watching Tuvok have to eat shit as a ex-Borg drone tween pushes his shit in. Um, and I think the three of these guys together as the science club feels very right. And I'm very sad that this is the first time they've thought to put these guys in the same scene together. I think it's unfortunate overall that each have felt a little underused in season seven. He had one episode that was very good. That was the focus where he has gives up his cortical node to seven of nine. And we praised it. We felt like this is great. This is great content overall. One of the best episodes of the season. And he just was pretty underused from that point forward. Like what? Like aside from Q2. And that wasn't exactly a great one to be in. Uh, he doesn't have a ton of like to do with the plots. And 
it's too bad because him as this kind of blank slate that really gets into the idea of being part of the Federation and how great that will be and being part of Starfleet and all of that and being a kind of different path than the one seven was taking seemed to be there was a lot of a fertility in that field. And um, instead, they, they just kind of didn't use him very much. I mean, he did get to be a part of uh, Tom and Bellana's kinky swinger lifestyle. Well, they tried, but he said no. He didn't. He didn't want. Yeah. He didn't want to to be the man cucking Tom. Yeah, but I like him fetish. as uh, I like him as the the guy mounting Tuvok and dominantly thrusting his Kelto into a I don't know bingo or whatever victory condition that's called. There, you brought up Q two, and I, I want to interject here as we fix the script, and I want to go back to the time police. Here's the throwaway dialogue line for Janeway, right? <clears throat> oh, you know, Janeway, if you go back in time, you know, th- this could be Kim or whatever. You know, the time cops are going to just stop you and undo whatever you did. Uh, well, I'll have you know, we ended up at that Borg nexus because of uh, a tip from an old friend. And let's just say I've been in contact with him, him being Q, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to keep the pigs at bay. What if I told you that one of the books actually I don't made care that about canon? Books, man. I don't but care. the book, like other people cued into that of like, what if this was all a setup by Q? And as it turns out, like someone, someone kind of thought the same way you did and made canon that like, yeah, uh, Q purposefully changed, gave her a course correction that would lead her to that. Yeah, nexus. but does Q like straight up block uh, the temporal police from interfering? Because that's that's the key I needed there is that something stronger than the temporal police is uh, is giving me. A I mean, they could have just been techno babble, like just straight up techno babble would have been. Good I like there. You don't, it does make Q two matter, and that's if, if you very important. All right, you you need to, that's that's Voyager strength is here's a complete turd episode, and then they mention that with half a line of dialogue two years later. And you're like, oh, okay, they redeem that pile of shit i spent 40 minutes on cool speaking of piles of shit harry kind of just gets you know ignored by tuvok and he goes to sick bay and and uh sure enough he apparently does have early signs of vulcan neurogenic you know disorders Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, and uh they're treating it with drugs and it's going to be years before it's bad but you know, he's trying to keep it under wraps because, uh, you know, he's a uh, Tuvok. He's uh, he's a Vulcan. He doesn't want to start showing weakness well before he's weak. And uh, the next next scene is our uh, goodbye to Neelix. I do like that they included this because they're really making sure you, the viewer, know like shit worked out on that uh, that Talaxian truck stop. Uh, he's be- he's butt fucking that widow. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, so they've got the Midas relay still working with them. I'm guessing, and that allows them to also talk deeper into the Elf or the Delta Quadrant. So Neelix is in contact with Voyager, and he's playing uh, Ke- no, not Keltoa, Parisi uh, Square. No, Parisi uh, Square's Kata one Scott. that murders children. Catascott, good old safe Catascott. Nobody's daughters dying on the operating table with Catascott. So he's playing space checkers with uh, seven and nine, and he goes, uh, "Hey." Yeah, my life's great over here. Thanks for asking. What's up with you and Chakotay? 
<laughs> yeah, he's, he's the one dispensing dating advice to Seven. And this I, get is, a, I get a feeling off Jakote that he fucks. Help a Talaxian out. What's the hook? He has that big sex energy, you know, like mm-hmm. I can see it from here. And this is where you start to really see how human Seven of Nine has become. She's smiling, you know, she's got the kind of kind of uh, emotional smirk to her. She's her whole body language has started to change a little bit. You know, she used to just be I am. A, I am the Terminatrix. I am a robot. I'm here to shoot engineering. I am here to bite Belana Torres and then shoot at the warp core. But now she's kind of moving a little bit like she's a person. And uh, I thought that was a nice touch. And I like when the alerts start going off in astrometrics, like the look of concern, interest, uh, maybe a little bit of remorse that Neelix got. Like he's trying to look on the console, like, oh, what, what's going on? Like, I miss, he's like, sorry, I, I, I'm happy, but I, I missed the life a little. <clears throat> sorry, buddy. We'll have to finish space checkers later and transmission. <laughs> hey, uh, we'll pick back up tomorrow. We're well within communication range with you. I mean, it's not like. Tomorrow, we're going to be in the Alpha Quadrant or anything. <laughs> Bye. Oh, man. Poor Neelix probably thinks everybody died. <laughs> well, if he can cunt, if he's got like some oh, sort of Midas array technology, you can probably talk to him in the Alpha Quadrant. That's my that's my head cannon. That I, I think that I think that's that's that I think that's there. I think that that that's not too much of a stretch. So they have a quick meeting about what appears to be a whole bunch of space buttholes like a collection of space buttholes. It's in a nebula where coffee may or may not be found as we determined several years ago. Uh, but if this is readings are correct, then this is literally like a cluster of wormholes. And of course, Harry, whom everyone immediately bags on is like, Hey, maybe there's one that goes home. Let's go check it out. Everybody. Good moment of continuity. And I think Voyager has consistently portrayed Harry as the pro we're getting home cheerleading co-captain. We cut finally back to the future where Tuvok is upset. He is spouting off information about a start date of a thing that has not happened. As far as we're aware in terms of present day Voyager saying that Janeway is missing. Her disappearance remains a mystery. Keeps repeating it over and over again. And it's clear to us as the viewer that he is trying to communicate that he thinks that Janeway is not coming back from something, which, of course, is what she said to him. Mm -hmm. But he is not able to rationally disclose that information. He's been working on something that is uh, a big math problem or, or something. I thought it would have been a cool tie in if this plan had originally been hatched by Tuvok and Janeway and at her final meeting with him she got the final calculations they need to use the time he's like Rain Man now like he's, and that's, he, yeah. he, he doesn't even know what he's been working on the math for anymore but he finishes it and, and that she takes that and that's both of them breaking all the rules to go back in time and or he do kind this. of does you know but doesn't you know because of his condition right where he's like uh, just that sort of it's it's fractured. He can't communicate. He can't put things together, but he's able to use his Vulcan discipline to, I don't to, see, to do it. I don't see the beginning of the discussion, but I know I'm near the end of it and I'm going to finish it not knowing what I'm doing at this point. Uh, anyways, they call the doctor and the doctor puts two and two together, decides he needs to investigate a little deeper. He gets Barkley. 
I do like that Barkley's like, oh, uh, doctor, how nice to see you. Oh, damn, did I forget about our golf meeting, which <laughs> was from uh, Inside Man. It was. It was a nice touch. Yeah. It goes to show, again, that Barkley really got to know these people over the course of the 15 years he was helping them get home. Like, they're they're tight. And the doctor is, like, actually interacting with him of, like, all of this weird shit happened with the admiral and we what happened why why is this happening and eventually as you noted before the the tell ends up being that barkley keeps lying and as he lies he gets worse at lying and starts stuttering and that clues the emh into oh uh there is fuckery afoot and you're involved too Barkley's really not Tell section me. 31 material at all. He is not. He breaks under the lightest touch and the doctor just pushes him a little bit. And apparently he squeals like a baby. He's like, there's three lights. Parallel to this, Admiral Janeway has gone to wherever this Korath guy lives, which is uh, the caves of hell <laughs> and meets up with uh mural Paris, our last nineties hottie who, uh, has the future uniform on, but they got like, it's way too big. So they kind of like tried to like, I don't know, do some weird thing where they like made it real tight against her. It's extraordinarily unflattering, but she still looks great in it. It's, it's odd. Janeway gets there in a souped up type two shuttlecraft. Um, Starfleet command to SC2. You're going to see a lot of this shuttlecraft. Um, spoiler alert, this will be the last shuttlecraft that is blown up on Voyager. A little bit of foreshadowing there. <laughs> uh, I thought it would have been cool if there would have been like some tinges to Delta Flyer there. What is sleeker? But yeah, it's basically just a... Just or hell, a, yeah. if it had just been Delta Flyer. If, tel- if Delta Flyer had been involved in two separate incidents of uh, major time fraud. Um... So at this point, Mariel Paris has set up the meeting and done everything that Admiral Janeway has asked her to do. And Janeway says, great job. Now uh, I'm taking you off the case. And she goes, no, I still want to be a part of this episode. And Janeway goes, no, unfortunately, you cannot have scenes with your parents because we had to have Chakotay and Seven of Nine have a thing. So you're out. And she goes back to talk to Karath, who is... uh, the dude from the Borg trio episode, who's the big shot admiral in Enterprise. John Vaughn. No, Vaughn Armstrong. And he's like some sort of Klingon mad scientist. You know, and he's just kind of a dick. And apparently he's making a deal for this thing that he has. But now he wants Janeway's shield admitter. She's like, no. And he's like, well, you can't have it. Get out. And she's like, yeah, you don't have honor. And he's like, yeah, double get out now. We cut back to the present and they're like, all right, let's go on this nebula. Maybe there's a way home in here. And they're like, yeah, we keep like reading these Tritanium signatures. There's a lot going on here. It's kind of a bumpy ride. I don't know what's going on. And then, you know, they're like, oh, wait, there's one dead ahead. And it's a giant fuck off Borg cube bearing down on Voyager. And all, all, all Janeway has time to yell is Tom. <laughs> like, don't hit that. <laughs> like, ah! like duck under it. And they're like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, ah! I do like the, I was kind of expecting go, people go, to be like, go, what? Go. It, it's just one cube. 
It's not like it was 37 cubes flying overhead. We've been in worse situations than this. Um, I'm not going to fault Voyager for treating the Borg like a big fucking deal. So much to the point where uh, Harry, who ends up very dejected from this encounter, right? The way home is good chance it's in this nebula. We need to go check it out. Harry spends all night cooking up a, a plan to sneak in there in the Delta Flyer and go scout things out. But he needs Tom's help. And Tom's like, fuck, no. <laughs> Fire bad, okay? And I got a baby coming, and my wife, and everything else. And he's like, oh, but Captain Proton, he's like, uh, listen, buddy, I'm not letting a virgin drag me down this path. I'll see you later. Well, it's the the reason why Tom and everyone else is treating me seriously is that it's not the morgue. It's the Borg. Oh, oh this and was the actual real Borg? Or was the not actual, their... Not, their, not their Swedish cousins. It's the Borg. And you know that because when they showed the queen, it's the queen. Susanna Thompson, GTFO, it's time for Alice Krieg. It is it is movie queen that shows up in this one. Yeah, you are absolutely right. So 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 Voyager dips. Little do they know that they were in fact clocked. And they were. as you have just mentioned, we cut over to the Borg shot and there is the queen and she for the first time ever is coming down out of the ceiling not in pieces correct she does not need to be assembled which I thought was a nice touch because I'm tired of seeing that cheap CG bullshit so if they're just putting her down in an elevator that's cool um I didn't realize they went to the the first contact actress I did note like, man, this board queen's really nailing these scenes and I'm feeling everything she's putting down. Yeah, she is so much better at this than Susanna Thompson. It is not funny. Like, but entirely different vibe. And I don't I can't put my finger on it, but it's just it's way better. And I I don't hate these scenes at all. Um, so. Th- this is the old queen. No. This is the the Unimatrix Zero Queen, though. This is not this in, is not a different Voyager Queen. This is the same Queen we've always seen in Voyager. Yeah. So in continuity, it's the same Queen. There isn't like two different Queens. It's just you know it's the well, finale. So they busted out. There's the money to go get Alice Krieg to play her instead. Wait a minute. What? I mean that this is the same Queen. The this queen, the same different queen. Well, Queen A is in first contact. And we have always said we had said that we thought that the queen was a gestalt manifestation of the board collective to help. Yes. And it could manifest we, anywhere at any time. But then we found that first contract queen, who we're going to call Queen A, died for real during first contact. And that's that. And then there was Voyager Queen, who is Queen B who is different than Queen A. Uh, and and even though it's the actress for Queen A, this is in fact Queen B we are seeing since she does have history with um, Seven of Nine and extended history with Janeway. I just think all that's bullshit and it's all just the same queen. But it's not. I mean, the writers said that that's what it is. Well, the writers are stupid. The writers also wrote a logem. So fuck them. <laughs> They're wrong. This is it's just this. Brand just, did Unimatrix Zero. Uh, you, that's you, not a good thing. 
but he did first contact. His hands have been on all of these queens, Joe. And uh, and like this it or is, not, whatever this is, it's the Borg Queen played by Alice Craig, and it's awesome. It is awesome. And this is Queen Bee. This is Queen Bee, and uh, Queen Bee on steroids. This is this is my queen of my heart. You know, like she is just. There's a sinister nature to how she is able to play this character that she has down perfectly. That is so much more evident that because you have the direct comparison between how the queen was portrayed in the show before and now, right? Like, because you have the direct comparison of like how it could be bad and how it can be good. It's just more stark when it's good. For the record, I do agree with you. It should have been a gestalt and not separate queens ridiculously manifesting. No, it makes much more sense that the queen is a consciousness that can survives the death of a body easily. That's the whole fucking point of the Bork. I also like that uh, while she does not get assembled on screen, she does get disassembled slowly. I was going to mention that when you said, well, she's going to say, well, they save that for later. This whole uh, episode's about doing things out of order, right? Um, So, no, she sees Voyager and the cubes like, oh, look, it's Voyager. Uh, We're not going to mention it, but they do still have that technology. We really want to take on species 8472 and conquer uh, fluidic space. But she's like, ah, no. Let them go. But I got my I got my eye on these guys. I got my green, glowy, evil boar guy on them. So, as you mentioned, they're like, uh, yeah, fuck Odin and that nebula. There be Borg there. <laughs> and and there's Alice Krieg is in there. So <laughs> we're not fucking with that. This is not Susanna Thompson Borg. You know, this is Alex Krieg. Borg. Harry, I'm saying Borg with a B. And then Harry's like, oh, shit, I thought these were the Morg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different and then, people. And then Kim goes to Tob and is like, can you help me do this? And he's like, uh, no, <laughs> I cannot. I am married. I'm about to have a child. And I don't know. And, and I, a cool theme for Tom and Bellata through this episode. And then yes. it's emphasized here is fucking. He just looks at Harry. It's like, Harry, I am home. Yes. Yeah. Like, this is home. The ship is home. Like, I don't really fucking care about getting Earth. <laughs> you do. I don't. Like, everything about this ship has improved my life. I got married. I'm going to have a family. Like, this is amazing. Same thing for Bolana, right? Like, she's estranged from her family back home. She's a wanted terrorist. Here, <laughs> she's a valued senior officer. She's... Her child's going to grow up in a safe, controlled environment. I mean, you know, as safe as Voyager is with one disaster every two weeks. But, you know, kids aren't going to pick on her. Yeah, like, she. this is all... This Voyager is a comforting place for them. And it's like, I'm not so hot to go home that I'm willing to go tangle with actual Borg. So, No. Chicote goes to Astrometrics, has another scene with Seven of Nine, then whatever, dating, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this is only important because Seven follows up on a bit of continuity of her storyline, which is she goes to the doctor and says, hey, remember when I was uh, fucking around with the uh, holodeck a few months ago and I about had a Borg stroke because I was getting a little too emotional and I rejected fixing it? Can you fix it? Because Seven of Nine is ready to fuck. Seven of Nine is ready to to take Chakotay to Bone Town. Although, seven, although my wife pointed out that you would not want a hand job from her, based not on with the right one, the left no. one maybe. Um, it it's interesting in this episode that this could easily be viewed as um, a standalone event, and that 
it should be very accessible to people to come in and see what's going on. Uh, but at the same time, it is very, very rich in callback and continuity. I love that they brought this back up. I wasn't even thinking about her limitations on um, on emotions and stuff because of the cortical implant. But the doctor's like, yeah, and guess what? I never gave up on this, and I super refined it. And you know, I know you, I told you before it's going to be like months of surgery. I can actually knock it out with some outpatient stuff uh, after work if you're interested. She's like, yeah, and he's like, also. Since you're formally entering the data pool or the dating pool, if you want to swipe right on me, and she's like, no, uh, <laughs> I've actually Hard already know a doctor. Yes, I know you love me. You told everybody on the holodeck when you thought you were dying. Also, I've already told, you no like three times. Get the hint. Uh, but uh, no, I'm not getting back with holographic Chakotay. I am with the real deal, unfortunately. And. Now, the most interesting part of our relationship we're going to inflict on the audience uh, has been said and done, and the rest is just grueling from this point forward. Janeway in the future goes back and is like, hello, Klingon with no honor. I totally am ready to make a deal. I am not going to double cross you and then immediately double crosses him. How I, I, I like this moment because it's Janeway gets her one up moment over the stupid men, which has happened many times. Um, <laughs> Gotta have it, right? Gotta have it. The right way to do this scene for me would have just been Janeway transporting back down to the, the invention cave with her old compression rifle and just gunning everybody down. <laughs> I which... took this. I kept this bad boy next to the warp core for 25 years. I got some bad news for you, Korath turns out this is a jailbreak episode after all <laughs> and why wouldn't she just go down there and gun everybody down she is and again to the detriment of this episode she is hosing this entire timeline with her actions what she is doing now is going to completely invalidate this entire timeline so anything she's doing in her current day as admiral doesn't fucking matter because none of these people are going to exist. None of these actions will have ever happened. None of this matters. Once she goes back in time, talks to herself and breaks all the rules. Instead, she just tricks him. Hey, let me scan this and make sure it's mine. Cool. I'm going to put this Girl Scout cookie on here, which is a transporter thing. And we're just going to zip off. Oh, you're not going to double cross us. Janeway turns out we've got a Feckler class, which is like the big badass once at the uh, trans warping enterprise D hammers the shit out of and all good things. Um, we're going to jump you, but guess what? Janeway's got like uh, Batman 89 Batmobile shields. <laughs> yes. Uh, apparently deployable ablative armor. And uh, it just turns into kind of like a gray dildo. And did you think that effect was really cool with the, the plates, like stop motion animationing all over the ship? It was okay. I mean, was it like, like, was it the coolest thing you, you thought you could see? Do you want to watch this effect happen at least six more times this episode? She gets intercepted, unfortunately, not by Klingons, but by a Federation starship. But this one happens to be uh, captained by a certain whiny former ensign. It is a, it looks like, like a Nova class ship. I looked it's it up. It's a reworked Nova. Yeah, yeah, it's apparently like supposed to be like an upgraded version of the Nova class. It's uh, Rhode Island. USS Rhode Island. The smallest ship for the small for, for the smallest talent uh, on 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 Voyager. And uh, Harry's like, uh, hey, Admiral, 
Barkley talked, <laughs> told told uh, told the doc what you're up to, and then the doc called me. We've kept it in the family, but uh, what the fuck? <laughs> this is this is a lot of rule breaking. Please tell me there's a reason. And they have a conversation in, in uh, Harry's ready room where Janeway's like, yeah, the reason is there's some people who didn't make it and I've decided they should live. And Carrie's like, um, oh gosh, you're right. A, a lot of people didn't make it. You're, you're going to go back in time and save them. You're going to save Joe Carrie. And she's like, ah, actually we're going to let Carrie die. But um, three episodes after that, that's, that's where we're going to fit this one in. I think that I could have bought Harry caving if she had just mentioned, yeah, I'm going to go back in time and save everybody. You know what that's like. Right. I mean, this is Harry's second time bender. I mean, like bring up like that was a really important moment where Janeway's like, and this kid, he really fucking cared so much. There's one person in this universe who should understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. It's you, Harry Kim. You who were the first person to completely fucking shatter time decorum here. Uh, absolutely a huge miss. And if if not completely converting him over, that's how she bridges the gap and gets him to at least go, you know what? Fine. I Who am I to judge? Here's something really interesting. Uh, it was right in this scene where uh, my pen died on ink my old pilot g2 i started that pen fresh when we began this podcast so the fact that it went like almost exactly fucking seven season of voyager notes it's impressive uh, you got you got your use out of it man eerie if you will it was it was a little eerie there um regardless harry ends up letting her go and uh she zips off to try and get up to uh, 88 miles an hour and the back to the future green goo starts flying out of the the shuttle but guess what the klingons ended up finding her after all so uh harry for whatever reason has already taken off at this point the two uh feckler class ships arrive and start hammering it is ridiculous that this fucking shuttle is taking fire from capital level ships but i will say that i liked the goodbye scene that janeway had with older Harry on the, uh, on the shuttlecraft, you know, like, because he becomes aware of like, Oh, this is, this is uh, some one way trip. Like no matter what happens with you changing the timeline, you're, you're gone from this one. We know Harry really, lo- you know, loves his mom. This is his space mom. Like, particularly if you think about the fact that like Janeway was his commanding officer for another, you know, billion fucking years after, you know, this was supposedly to occur. Like He really, you know, cares about her and she is going off to die one way or another. And that's fucking him up. And I liked that they had a moment acknowledging that. They also needed a moment acknowledging that uh, again, it's a one way trip for everybody. His life will not exist anymore. Nobody's life will exist. That is touching the Voyager family or Starfleet politically once she pulls this off. And that's another opportunity she has to kind of woo him. Um, just think if you were able to see your mom one more time. You know, we took the slow way home. By the time you got back to Earth, your parents were long gone. You're a mama's boy. Here's your chance to see your mom. 
here, look, look at all these. We get to save lives. We get to blah, blah, blah. It's a good scene. It could have been a lot better. There's a crappy romance scene happening in the real time in Voyager that gets interrupted, thankfully, by the plot. And the plot is that this weird time space butthole is opening in front of Voyager. Harry covers Janeway's escape the space time butthole. And then finally, we begin the real plot, which is Janeway talking to herself a lot, starting with the viewer where she's like, yeah, close that butthole unless you want to deal with future Klingons. <laughs> and she does. Mm-hmm. And that is when we just get the plot, which is, hey, I'm you from the future. I have brought future armor and future weapons. I have decided that we're going to turn this bitch around. And we are going to head back into that nebula because there is a wormhole to go home. And I want you to take it and uh, have the doctor scan me. I am you clearly (laughs) and scan my ship. It's filled with goodies. I brought epic loot. It is ready for you. It's bind on equip. (laughs) Like just throw it on boys. It's time to kill Hogger. Do you remember how the doctor became the ultimate badass and kicked the shit out of every obstacle in his way. Like he was getting uh end of the video game, super arm cannon. That's what I'm going to do to this whole ship. Yeah. You're going to go into that fight with the Borg where there's 17 cubes, like 17's a number. Anybody cares about you're going to go into there. Uh, like your species eight, four, seven, two, just space Mew two in one shot blowing cubes up. Real Billy badass stuff. It they they have a like they even have like a montage of like it's a montage of installing the tech and doing some captain's logs as Silver Fox Janeway like shows everyone out. It's like ah, ha, ha. obviously because it's Janeway. She knows everybody. In fact, she knows them better than they know themselves. She knows their future selves, and she's like, "This is weird," but I'm allowing it. Like Janeway immediately like. Captain Janeway is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, it is a horrendous violation of the temporal time uh, prime directive, as we see from the start. And she calls it out like, you're here. That's terrible. I am breaking all the rules right now. You're breaking all the rules. And she's like, yes, this is what we're going to do. And then Captain Janeway's like, I accept. <laughs> like, pretty clear from the start there's a certain level of flexibility that even captain janeway has where it's like oh i get to have i get to have one shot torpedoes i got a hyper beam uh sign me up batman 89 shields yeah cool uh, again big weak spot for this episode for me is the complete disregard for the the temporal you know the the timeline space timeline continuum call it what you will uh no one everybody on voyager should be sworn to the same oath everybody has made a real big deal about not interfering with the the past and all this other shit but everybody just they ramrod it they all jump right on board with it everybody's cool um and jane janeway seems only sensitive to the idea of knowing future events but is perfectly fine with taking future technology to go do shit she would not have otherwise done and again, upsetting the entire goddamn timeline. If yeah. very Voyager... selective care for time, <laughs> I, it's unforgivable, but whatever. I do like the scene where Admiral Janeway gets her brain scanned and then he's like, oh, there's a chip in your brain. What is this? Oh, it's a chip you designed that lets me fly the ship by just thinking about it. And I thought that was um, 
a very interesting detail. Way back when early when we encountered the Borg, we had a good conversation, I thought. And this is going to go right in with my fucking subdermal communicator gripes, right? Everybody in Voyager should have a subdermal communicator. It's bullshit. The com badge always gets knocked off. You're in a dangerous part of space, blah, 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 blah. Why don't they put subdermal communicators in? Because the Federation has values. This is headcanon for us. There's a separation between man and machine. And when you start to blur that line frivolously, like obviously cybernetic eyes for Jordy or other people who are dealing with like injuries, that's one thing. But casually getting augmented starts blurring that line between what is the Federation, what is Borg, right? Right. And it's interesting that they've crossed this line in the future in an episode that also features the Borg heavily. Like yeah, it, just, it just seemed like it's something they tacked in so they could do the thing they I did know, at the but end. But I think it's another good step that like future Janeway is a pragmatist. Future Janeway makes exceptions. Future Janeway thinks rules are dumb. <laughs> Who doesn't think rules are dumb is the queen. And the queen is aware that a future Janeway has shown up to Voyager because she's still watching them. So when Seven of Nine goes to have a little Borg night night time, she hops in uh, to the carrier wave and is like, hey, yo, bitch, what's up? It's me, your old boss. I know this is going to get awkward, but uh, maybe don't come to this nebula. Maybe fuck off. Wouldn't that be nice if you did that? And it's a great just she's sinister she's like touching her you know a little bit i know you like these guys i'm not just gonna blow the ship up i want you to know i'm gonna say my favorite yeah there's a reason why we haven't hammered you to bejesus and back even though you've fucked us over like six times i thought that was actually a pretty like taking what she said about always having liked seven of nine that's a good moment to kind of retcon why uh the borgs didn't just gang stomp voyager after they got fucked the eighth time yeah like why in the world wasn't there like a concerted effort to hunt them down after unimatrix zero well you the see, queen the queen's got a soft spot for seven of nine she borg shanty town has like the, the old western wanted posters with voyager <laughs> <laughs> but she makes it clear like yeah coming back into this nebula though i will fucking destroy that ship <laughs> like don't don't test me. Uh, this is one this is one thing I'm not going to fuck around with. Why doesn't Seven know what's in there? It's probably a piece of information that she blocked. The queen blocks from the entirety of the collective. You know, mm. Seven of Nine is not the first drone to like go off task, right? Not the first drone to ever be isolated. Not the first drone to be reclaimed, right? Like the whole point of that episode where she, you know, had her no social distancing friends show back up was carathing that 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 shit just happens and so you know you don't want a bunch of uh free agents out there knowing where we will find out apparently the borg's transportation hubs are this is what we're going to find out is that this nebula contains a transwarp hub which is one of six in the galaxy that control the use of transwarp conduits so these are the linchpins in the Borg's capacity to travel the galaxy and terrorize everyone. This is one of six BFDs out there. And she goes, just to let you know that I'm serious, 
I'm going to brain shock you a little bit. Give you a little brush you back with a fastball. You know, she wakes up in sick bay. She delivers the information. Janeway, Admiral Janeway, a little evasive about what's in there. You know, doesn't exactly say what's going on, but like, hey, we're going to be home tomorrow. It's not going to fucking matter. And she's not going to be able to touch us. I literally gave you 30 years of extra technology. We're going to be fine. Chakotay goes to check on seven of nine. The scene literally kills me. It's miserable. You know, they have finally a scene about their futures, but instead it's just lovey dovey. Well, I'll be in beaming range of you. woo. And it's over quickly. And then, then after that, you do get the much better Tom Bolana scene, admittedly, where they're like lamenting not raising their kid on Voyager. That seems to be the likely scenario in front of them. I do like the, you know, we, we, we have a little walk and talk with Janeway and Janeway, where Admiral Janeway is kind of uh, finishing her sales pitch and hooking captain janeway on her super illegal plan and she's able to kind of finally win her over is it this scene where she spills the beans that uh, seven dies that doesn't happen until later uh the the beans don't get spilled until the first time they go into they're about to go into the nebula for the first time and that's when mm. they find out it's a trans warp hub yeah so they go back in there all the upgrades have been installed we've taken the three spacesuits that Voyager has which again shocks me there's three I for the life of me would have just said two but they've had uh, three people and only three people install all the future tech on the outside of Voyager's hull and they uh, take their dick out and go walk right into that cube haven ready to fuck they start shooting at him they're like we don't care <laughs> they start shooting more and Jane was like alright give them give him the good shit and says, fire the transphasic torpedoes. <laughs> and sure enough, these are some species eight, four, seven, two level, level, uh, bang bangs because they are one shot in cubes left and right in ways that would make the entirety of Starfleet Admiralty come. <laughs> like if they, if they, could you, um, can you imagine the debrief when they get home? Right. And they're like, oh, so Catherine, what's on the ship here? We see you bolted on some things. And I'm like, oh, it's future tech. It allows me to one shot board cubes. And they just all ejaculate immediately. Like, ah, oh. it's like, yes, I love. <laughs> I love uh, the board queen's face when she goes in there. Just look of her face like these fucking cheaters. Like, <laughs> yes. I know. I know that future Janeway came in here. And I know goddamn well what's happening. These dudes are like time duping hot yeah. shit over here. It's like playing Call of Duty and you know someone has an aimbot. And you're like, fuck this guy. <laughs> like oh, These teams are stacked. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. I can't beat this. This is not okay. For super shields, they've got Borg trying to lock on tractor beams. Borg trying to like, you know, cut holes in the saucer. Hitting them with the green phasers. And they're like, uh, we're at. 97% shields and they're just sitting there taking shot after shot doing nothing everybody is so chill at this point like people should be just sweating shitting their pants or just going into this hornet's nest getting pounded or letting themselves get pounded not even evasive maneuvers to kind of show off and flex nuts as to what this new tech is 
Uh, this is when we find out that this is not Unimatrix Zero, Janeway. Uh, this is drone lives don't matter after all, Janeway, as you said. So she's just how many mil- millions and millions of drones per cube or like 800,000 or something ridiculous. Yeah. She she easily kills millions of drones in this like 45 seconds. They blow up the first two cubes and the third cube is like, yeah, you know what? I'm out. <laughs> just, all right, let's go. Let's let's range the hunter before he just aim shot kills me. This is not good. In fact, I think the the memory alpha, no vessel in history, aside from those of species 8472, has ever survived Borg weapons or failed to be stopped dead in its tracks by a Borg tracker to being, but this time all fail. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're fucking them up. But they get to the center of the nebula and they're like, what is this crazy thing that we see? It's like a sun with a bunch of like tech on the side of it. Mm-hmm. And that is when seven divines like that is a transwarp hub. And when Jane wake responds, I, I believe you told me there's only six of those in the galaxy. And that is when Janeway Admiral Janeway is like, no, get the fuck home right now. There's the portal. It's like literally right there. Just go home. Just, just go home, Catherine. Just go in the portal and go home. Just go. Don't you want to go in your home? Go in the home, go in the home, just go in the home. But then along come two Ferengi wandering the halls, distracting Tom and the rest of the people. And they're like, forget about home. Let's go away. And, and they back off and, uh, Janeway lays this plan out. Hey, uh, you didn't give us all the information and we could go home or we could strike a crippling blow that really fucks the Borg up. And now apparently that's a big deal. And instantly I go back again to Unimatrix zero where Jamie could have just antagonized the queen for like 15 minutes more and like destroyed probably 75%. As the queen just kept blowing up her own shit. Do you care yet? No. Do you care yet? No. Oh, you're, you're, you're making me, so silly uh but now now we've got a chance to do something we perceive to be heroic at the cost of our own success and admiral janeway again i love her calling on it like wow am i the only person having deja vu this is the caretaker array all over again when she starts hammering janeway with that like i'm like fuck yeah dude um you know it's gonna take you 20 so so Janeway's reply to all this is like, you're telling me we need to cheat from where I'm standing. We still get home. I become an admiral. My starship goes on to become a fucking museum. Everything's real rosy. We don't need to cheat to get home. And we can also fuck the Borg up real bad right now and like do some great good. And this is where uh, Janeway, like or Admiral Janeway is like, yeah, let me show you what's behind door number two. Yeah, you know, your best friend. Yeah. Uh, gets Alzheimer's. Uh, you know your protege? Yeah, fucking dead. Uh, you know your other best friend? Yeah, basically becomes a, a, a recluse and then dies the second you get home. Oh, and then like 20 more people die. So yeah, you'll get home, but the cost is horrific. And I was tired of living with it. There's a part here missing where, and this is what Janeway's always set up front. We know it's a long trip home. We know there's going to be casualties all of us signed up for this like she Janeway gets confronted with the fact that seven dies Chakotay dies Tuvok 
all of the resolve kind of melts on the spot. And you see Janeway leave that meeting much different than how she started. But uh, the deed's not done yet. And Admiral Janeway knows she's going to have to continue to strike while the iron's hot. So she basically begins like this uh, world tour of going to everybody and telling them all the stuff that uh, is going to ruin their day. The key conversation, I think, it's not Captain Janeway talking to Tuvok. It's Admiral Janeway talking to Seven of Nine. Because like Tuvok's able to be like, listen, we got to still do this. Needs of many outweigh the needs of the, of the few. You know, the classic Vulcan proverb. So me having space Alzheimer's is just not going to factor in here. Admiral Janeway is distraught at the concept that she he can she cannot save seven of nine. Like that's fucking bothering her that that's going to be the consequence of them punting on going home. And she like gets in her face a little bit of like, there are people here who love you that will be shattered when you die. Please help me prevent that. And she is seven of nine because she's just had her surgery, right? Like she's just had her emotions unlocked essentially is having a hard time processing all this. And ultimately has to get away from the conversation with Admiral Janeway. And, you know, she later has a scene with Chakotay where she's trying to like push him off. Like, I don't want to like, I don't want to be involved romantically because apparently we get so close that my death crushes you. Chakotay's like, no, it's not that easy. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. That part doesn't matter. I just really like that Janeway's emotion in that scene of like, this is obviously the reason she came back. Right. Like the big one. Yeah. I, I don't want you to die. And I just broke all the rules. So you didn't. Please uh, understand this. I've made such a huge sacrifice and broken so many rules so you can survive. And I'm sure you're going to really turn out great and not cringy at all. And just turn into some <laughs> sort of goopy fucking awful space punisher i'm glad you waited two hours into our recording before you finally like brought this back up but it's necessary kiss raffi the worst fucking character in star trek's history every time i think about the disservice that that fucking show did to desecrating seven of nine as a character i just get more and more mad it's really she did a really good job on this show and how they built up her character. And then they just throw it all away for that just nonsense that we watched where she's like some sort of weird space hobo fucking hated it, dude. And like all of the, all of the familial commonality of Voyager and how tight all of these people are, just becomes so more and more obvious how dumb it is to have put seven of nine in that show. And none of the Voyager people ever are involved with the fuck she's doing. Like if each of got tortured to death and seven of nine found, found him and had to euthanize him, it would be all hands on deck. Find this bitch, right? Like we are going to help seven of nine right now. And no one is stopping until they do. Right. If they were going to do that, it should have been the pilot episode for the Voyager 20 reboot. years from now. Yeah, like the Voyager crew all gets their shit together because Seven of Nine is, is crushed over the death of her surrogate son. 
mm-hmm. they have to find this board parts, you know, fucking black market bullshit. And that would have been fine. But instead, it's like you don't need space robots from the abyss. Yeah, just uh, the family, the Voyager family gets back together and hunts down the black market Borg scalpers. A story not by Alex Kurtzman. I'll take it. The shame in these scenes with um, Admiral Janeway going on her uh, persuasion tour is you don't get anything with Admiral Janeway and Chakotay. That's true. Yeah, like he dies as well. I mean, he's affected by all of this, but he never gets a conversation with anybody. It's not even with Captain Janeway, like relating the information. He is just kept to these shitty love scenes and that's it. I would have enjoyed a scene where Chakotay and Admiral Janeway have their conversation and Chakotay is actually able to punch through much the same way that Neelix was able to shake the old bitter Kess. Yeah. Yeah. And fear and not fury. Yeah. Fury. I, I want, uh, in his prime Chakotay able to kind of shake crazy old Admiral Janeway off her course uh, to some degree, maybe even have her completely talk down off the ledge before something happens and kind of like galvanizes her resolve. Uh, instead, she makes her tour. They, they have a little meeting in the first time ever Janeway decides she's not going to have a unilateral decision that she makes and, and puts upon the crew <laughs> Scorpion. Um, and uh, we get a speech out of Harry that I just wrote in my notes. Shut the fuck up, Harry. <laughs> Everyone's got like a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. This is the second time we hear the phrase to the journey. Big, big motto for this last episode, I guess. And yeah, Harry gives a terrible speech about, oh, I've always wanted to get home, but we have to do the right thing here. It's just. They, they, it, it seemed like, man, we gotta let Garrett do something in this episode, and this is this is it. Like this is this is the moment we're gonna give him, and it sucks. Like everything else he does, just not a good actor. I mean, he just he is not a good actor, and he did not get better. That's it. They uh, resolve that. Hey, we don't need to get home after all, and uh, we're just gonna. We're going to go forward with this uh, plan to like hammer this node, cripple things, get out of there. There's more bad love romance with uh, Chakotay and Seven. They really go heavy on the melodramatic music, too, to the point where I, even I notice it. Normally, I don't notice background music, but it's just it's the worst. And then we fall into a uh, a new thing we're doing on Voyager between Tom and Bellana, where all of a sudden Flyboy is is this title that Bellana gives Tom Federation Flyboy Starfleet Flyboy 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 you'd think it's either the first time they've met and it's like fun flirting or this is a nickname she's had for him the whole time no they're just pulling it out of their ass and uh you know the closer they get to doing the thing here the closer she's getting to uh delivery time but nope she's not going to be shaken off she's got a job to do there is a great kind of, I guess, final sequence of scenes between the Janeways where she comes to reconcile with 
the fact that Captain Janeway is dedicated to doing the stupid but morally correct thing, and she understands why. They come up with a, a scheme to kind of have their cake and eat it too, which is exactly how Captain Janeway puts it. Like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. And then Admiral Janeway's like, there's a way. It's fucking crazy, and it's some fucking nonsense bullshit, but you know what? I'm feeling inspired by my environment. I'm feeling inspired by my younger self and my idealism. I got to so, buzz uh, off this cup of coffee, which I've sworn off, but I've started drinking in now, and it's got me thinking crazy. And then they have another scene in Admiral Janeway's shuttlecraft where it's a goodbye between them. And there's a great moment of like, she said, Captain Janeway says, are you sure about this? And Admiral Janeway says, no, (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) That coffee is worn off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm going to be in so much trouble. We're all fucked. It's it's a real Rick and Morty uh, line for Admiral Janeway and all this stuff. But she says, hey, the ship isn't big enough for the both of us, so we might as well pull it. We might as well pull it together this way. Gives her a little jab with the hypo spray. And uh, I think Admiral Janeway gives the best line of the episode. Just says, I am glad I got to know you again. Which any person who's lived enough life to know that they've changed through it can identify with. So I liked that. But uh, (laughs) this is when we finally get into uh, Bolana giving birth. And uh, as Stevie pointed out, as we were watching it, you can tell Roxanne Dawson's had a child. She's able to uh, she's able to act here <laughs> authentically as someone who is going through the pains of childbirth, like someone who's experienced it themselves. And it's, of course, the worst time because they're about to pull their caper. Uh, but he tells like, Tom, you got shit to do. Get the fuck out of here. Get our get our baby home to the Alpha Quadrant safe and sound. With Lieutenant Joe Carey dead, who's in charge of engineering when Bolana's not Vork. there? Vork. <laughs> mm. Rough. Don't, hey, listen, Vork. It's really important that for the next 15 minutes, you rape zero Keep people. your hands to yourself. No, no, don't do it. Hey, you know what? Actually, we're going to go have uh, Icheb in charge. <laughs> Send him down, down there. Like Vork's getting all ready for his moment in the sun. And the Icheb's already given people directions. Mm-hmm. Before OP Voyager can go back into the nebula, uh, what we get is the Admiral's uh, shuttlecraft going stealth and then going through a, a tube. And it goes through a boom tube to go to the Unicomplex, which we have seen before because the Unicomplex is what we... Borg hobo shantytown. Which is where we saw in Dark Frontier, Tom roll up in the fucking Delta Flyer and drive by the queen of the morgue <laughs> to go snatch up Janeway. This is Borg HQ, right? This is Borg's like central hub. So Janeway has decided to go pay the queen a visit because as revealed by Admiral Janeway earlier, the queen is the one controlling the shielding on the uh, transwarp hub. And that needs to be disrupted somehow for this plan to work. The obvious double cross is set up, which is Janeway's like, Oh, I'll sell them out. Here's, here's choose your own adventure option three for the, the episode. Janeway flies off in her little super shuttle. And goes to the unit. It goes, hey, uh, Janeway, I want you to go through this the tube and go home. No, we got an opportunity to really fuck the Borg up. 
we, we can't pass this up. Okay, how about this as a compromise? I will go to Unicomplex Zero. You, you remember that place, right? The big important board time. I will shoot like three of these torpedoes and blow the whole fucking thing up. <laughs> okay. I'll I'll blow up their capital city and you guys can then go home and use the highway. We don't have to trash the highway. I, I will I will burn down Berlin and you guys can go home. How's that work for you? Anyways, continue on the the, the plot, Joe. She pulls her shuttle right up like she brings her shuttle up alongside Unicomplex Zero like it's a fucking McDonald's and Admiral Janeway wants a, a, a ice cream cone. All right. <laughs> but the ice cream machine is broken, as we find out. And she's ne- not even the Borg have working ice cream machines at <laughs> yeah. their McDonald's. So they're, she's negotiating and, and the Borg queen is, you know, negotiating back. And and it's, you know, some give and some take. Do this, do that. The the setup here is uh she's astrally projected in her dreams, which is cute because you know it's always the board queen infiltrating other people's thoughts. Hey, uh, my the younger me is stupid. I want him to get home. So here's the deal: I'll give you some sweet ass tech you can like adapt to and like jump forward thirty years because Borg like assimilating new things. You just have a cube grab Voyager and tractor kicking and screaming back home, and the board queen's like, mm, no, I want more. What was her term? She wanted uh... she wanted knowledge of the future. She wanted the actual like playbook. She, she sure. didn't want just the technology uh, to adapt to. And eventually she's like, aha, you overconfident bitch. I have found you with your stupid astral projection. I found your real body. I'm about to go stake it and beams her. That's vampire talk. It, just a little, just one little bit more, you know, just for the, for the real ones, for the Jacks out there and for the Trumans. We, we see you boys. We appreciate you. And uh, beams are on to the ship and then is like, yeah, why don't I just assimilate this shit out of you instead? Yoink. And it personally assimilates her right on the spot. But this of course is the double cross. Cause we all saw the hypo spray. And what Admiral Janeway has done was put a neuro a, a neurolytic pathogen into herself so that once she was assimilated, it would disrupt the queen and all of the Borg such that uh, Voyager can pull their caper. However, it's apparently such a powerful pathogen, it explodes the Borg shantytown entirely. <laughs> Like you see a really cool scene where the Borg queen is like starting to literally decompose and parts of her are falling off and she's starting to panic and she can't hear everything. Janeway has a badass line of it must be something you assimilated. But like she finds a, a, a sphere that can still hear her while, Jan- while Voyager is pulling its keeper. It's going into the, into the boom tube. It's blowing up like the boom tube uh, support structures. It's collapsing the thing. It's working out. But she's like, I found a sphere that's unaffected. You can still hear my thoughts. And if it blows up Voyager, then none of this happens because you're dead and they're dead. And so that means you never had a future, which means this never occurs. So there's like this temporal paradox moment before the queen, like kind of like slowly just decomposes and dies on the floor. I love the scene. I love that Janeway, that Admiral Janeway 
has been a lifelong enemy of the of the queen specifically is a nemesis and we've certainly had shades of this i mean say what you will about scorpion and some of these other fucking stupid borg episodes but they've they've certainly sown the the seeds that there is a personal animosity between these two i think they could have even had some dialogue and they're like you know you stole my favorite drone from me like some like competing mother stepmother stuff over seven to nine whatever but very fitting that this version of Janeway dies here that she finally in the end gets to go down with the ship. Janeway is always the first one to try and fucking go on some suicide mission. She finally gets to fulfill that and it gets to be driving the dagger into the Borg queen herself and witness this happen. Uh, You know, it's, it's classic Janeway being able to find that trap and in true season one, <laughs> here's your episode for this, right, Joe? The, the title is going to be Farewell, Ye Old Admiral Trap Queen. In in future Starfleet, Janeway Trap You. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a nice touch that it's very personal for her. She obviously really fucking hates the queen. And she's like, yeah, I'll suicide run the queen to give her fucking bored AIDS. And when, I that'll do. will say that uh well i don't know let me, i'm gonna let me give her a, her a disease so potent it explodes her city <laughs> well i want to talk about that disease so the neurologic neurolytic pathogen is this the echeb thing it needed to be the echeb thing i i we had echeb in the episode there is no specific link back to Echeb, but it is exactly the sort of thing that Echeb was used for, which is possibly where Admiral Janeway was able to like create this from to begin with, you know, like, cause this came from her, this was her idea. So the implication is like, this is some shit she had in her back pocket of like, this might be a way I could fuck the Borg up. And it's like, also too, like if she's willing to fuck the timeline and just to get, Voyager home, like embrace it and be like, hey, not only am I going to get you home, first we're going to go on this galaxy tour of just exterminating the fucking board because with these hot ass weapons, we can we can do that. And also, by the way, Voyager itself is like a Batman Batcave level of trophy room for all the appropriated anti Borg doomsday weapons we have. We've got Echeb's nasty Borgades. All right. Remember the Tron turds? Oh, yeah. You could infect the crucible. How about how about that as a as my crazy zany idea? I take my shuttlecraft, I pull up next to Borg Donald's, <laughs> and then I beam this fucking thing in there, and it rots the entire network and kills all of the Borg everywhere, exactly the way the Tron turds intended before you stop the whole thing because uh seven of nine was having uh you know a, a personality disorder episode we hey we're also friends with species 8472 we could like i don't know long distance call them so many admiral janeway had to die by the end of this sure and and it's this is a cool way to do it i'm just saying you've laid out voyager writers so many great ways to have killed the borg off if you're just cheating and flying through their defenses like you've got god mode turned on like you clearly do that it's silly i I would have loved at the end to that the Borg Queen dies, uh, but Admiral Janeway 
doesn't and admiral janeway becomes the new borg queen corrupted and evil uh, that very interesting way to approach the concept that does not ultimately have an answer actually in canon yet which is is this the end of the borg like because at picard doesn't actually address the question because the borg you encounter in picard were the remains of a cube that had undergone uh, the collective collapse, which could have been because of this incident. And so you never see the collective with its shit together again after this. I, I don't think this is the end of the Borg there because, again, I mean, Admiral Janeway could have just exterminated him once and for all. I mean, that, that would have been a great plan B, too. You won't go home until all the Borg are dead. Well, hey, we're all juiced up. We could do this. But uh, I, I think I would love for admiral janeway to be the decrepit old face of the borg moving forward instead we get everything exploding they're pulling their caper things the ship is getting rocked as they are attempting to make their way through the boom tube they don't know if they can make it and they see a path that they can escape the cascading issue you know the cascading explosions if they take it but it takes them back to the delta quadrant they say, we're not doing that, Tom. We're going to change course, but we're not going to do that. I don't think they say we're not going to do it. I mean, they kind of leave it up. In yeah, the they air. don't say immediately what happened. But what? A Meanwhile, back home, the Admiralty is like, oh, there's a space butthole. Uh oh, this is going to be the attack on Sector 001 again. Get everybody out there now. It's actually a space butthole that is occurring within the sol- our solar system. So, like, all of the other attacks on Earth have taken, like, a Borg cube some time to get there. This, apparently, there's a boom tube that just goes straight to Earth. <laughs> like, why weren't they no. throwing cubes through that 24-7? <laughs> what is this? Maybe they just didn't know it was there. Oh, uh, yeah. it's Maybe it was, unsp- maybe it was just unsporting and and, you know... The Borg Queen believes in fair play and not cheating. That's why she had grievance with all this future tech exploit shit they brought in. Yeah, if you're going to bring aimbots next time, we're not going to fuck around. Unfortunately for Earth, it's not a bunch of sweet new like anti-Borg ships like Sovereigns and, uh, you know, Akira and cool stuff like that. It's like Wolf 359 all over again. You got a Galaxy class, some Excelsiors. I saw a Nebula in there. Maybe I think a Defiant. There is a saber and a Prometheus, the Prometheus. So like their most advanced warship is there and an Akira. So there are some of the good ships. It's not just the jabroni ships. Also galaxy class ships are potent, you know, they're, they're strong vessels. Yeah. And this is all post dominion war. Like, get the families off the ships yeah uh, and upgrade the (laughs) upgrade the guns the the sphere comes through the butthole and the fleet opens up on it oh you see admiral paris admiral paris is the one that is uh leading the response to the space butthole as well as present lieutenant barkley and they start firing at the thing and uh they cut back to voyager and voyager's like we are ex- where we expected to be. And uh, Janeway says, we'll celebrate later. Fire at will. And uh, in dramatic fashion, 
it blows up the sphere from the inside and Voyager has the triumphant flying through the debris field and greets the fleet having arrived back in the Alpha Quadrant. Who should have all just shit their pants at Voyager just one shot of fucking Borgs. Yeah, because they open up on the fucking thing and it is not phased. <laughs> and and then all of a sudden they just like shoot a transphasic torpedo from the inside and then uh, it just, of course, explodes immediately. And uh, they're there. And we're like, hey, sorry we didn't call ahead. Literally the line. <laughs> but we're here. I like when Unimatrix Zero is falling apart and exploding. There's one lone cube that flies out of the, the explosions like... Uh, the Pegasus escaping the 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 fleet yards of whatever <laughs> the Scorpion fleet yards. Yeah, yeah. Like eh, we're out of here, and they they've got their own journey now of like fleeing the organics that they used to harass, and maybe that's a fun thing for Ronald Moore to do next. Um, so Tom just had his kid, and he's got to go down and hang out with that. So Jane was like, "Okay, Chakotay." I suppose I should talk to you at least once this episode. You want to go ahead and get on the con and and fly us in. And it can be real ironic that the terrorist we were sent out to hunt down is the one who's flying the ship back now. There is a quick wow. there's a quick view screen moment with Admiral Paris where they're like, hey, uh, it'll be in my report. And uh, then that Admiral Paris and Tom Paris have zero lines between each other in the entire show. Like, there's your moment yeah. of like, hey, welcome home, son. No, no, we cannot sacrifice time for this. We need more Seven and Chakotay. There's probably like a really good draft of the script somewhere. They're like, no, we're going to cut this. Get rid of that. Uh-uh. No. Admiral Janeway and Chakotay talking. No. Paris and Paris. No. Oh, what's this subplot about um, Paris and Bellana's daughter hanging out with them and like reaffirming what great parents are? Throw that are in before... the trash where it belongs. No. Hey, how about a picnic on the floor next to that place where Joe Carey used Ooh, to smoke yeah, dope? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Where all the phaser rifles are? I like that. So yeah, the terrorist is flying the ship back home. Isn't this going to be awkward? Who knows? <laughs> and cut. Set a course for home. She sits down. End of show. Rick Berman, what, what's all this stuff where we're like finding out uh, what people think and see and, you know, Harry getting to hug his mom? What? What what is all this? Cut the get get you know what? Replace all this with a romantic subplot. We got better I, things to do with this. 15 I minutes. understand if they didn't want to go as far as like having them actually show up at Earth and like having all of their reunions. Like that's just too much epilogue. That's just you know like get get to the story, do the story, and then they're done. But the fact that there wasn't even like a moment of emotional catharsis where the captain like sits down and like like a a tear. Like where she a round like, of applause where she finally breaks down just a little bit in relief that she pulled the fucking shit off. She got them home. Just everyone having that look of relief around the horn. You know, just there was no cathartic moment at the end to allow all of this energy that built up to dissipate in a way that paid off. Instead, it just dissipates because literally credits are rolling. Drop him off at Pluto and and give us at least that one scene where they're flying in at impulse or whatever. Yeah, and, like one one scene where like guys, we're always going to stay together. We're a family. We've come yeah. this far. We're never going to lose contact. I love you. 
go around the table on that. You know, if you're going to rip off so much other stuff from all good things, have that last go around the executive staff table where people are like, we did this, you know, we win. Something. This episode needed something at the end. Maybe not a lot, but some way for you to expel the energy and feel the relief with the characters. And yes, you know, there's a lot you won't see, but you can imagine it because you already know what these people are going to do when they get home. They've told you. Some of them have a very certain future. Some of them have a more uncertain future, but this is it. They made it. And instead, it just is like set a course for home, roll credits, and it just kind of leaves you with a little bit of blue balls at the end. However, as I defended this episode throughout, all told, it delivers more than it fails. This is a good finale with flaws. I liked it. They're big flaws. They're big flaws. It's a close judgment for you. That love line is, is, is brutal and does not need to be there and it sacrifices a lot of screen time for other stuff i'd still say uh, an hour of this is good though and oh, yeah 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 listen i mean there's just real solid meat on the bones janeway versus janeway great janeway going into a trap and going down with the ship uh the the gotcha thing i mean it alice great krieg is, alice krieg is the board queen a lot God, of the what future if you stuff had is Alice good. Krieg on all the Unimatrix Zero and the other stuff that we had. I mean, could they have salvaged some of those other episodes with her? One can only wonder. But yeah, she was very welcome. I thought maybe it should have been one of the original alien races that they designed for Voyager being front and center on this. But uh, yeah, I think Borg really fit in well for Voyager flying around one shotting cubes. No big deal. And like all the other silly shit that happens here. I would say it uh, it does not seem outlandish. I mean, they straight up cheat and they get weapons 30 years in the future. Uh, so that that's all good. Yeah, no complaints there. Like that makes sense that that would work out that way. It's just, uh, you know, what's the most emotional moment in this episode for you? It's hard to come by uh, me seeing Neelix on screen and past that. I don't really feel a whole lot of of any other like deep emotions the way I have in some of the past few episodes. I actually shed a manly tear in the Neelix episode. So hard to beat that. But I think that I really enjoyed the scenes where seven of nine was clearly like more in touch with who she was as a person and had grown. And that Tom and Bellana reflected on Voyager as their home. Their lives were about to be much more different than they thought they were going to be. And then I really liked the Janeway, Admiral Janeway and Captain Janeway having their final discussion in the shuttlecraft, you know, where Admiral Janeway has come full circle and has decided to embrace the idealism of her younger self and thanks her for it before making the run that she makes. That all works extraordinarily well and is both good in the episode and good as payoffs for a series long journey. And it's fitting to me that in its final episode, I'm going to say the same thing that I've said so many times, which is, man, this show had a great idea. It just kind of missed a little bit on the execution. And sometimes a lot. So it's, it's, uh, it's true to form. 
in an, its weird way that even in its finale, man, it had a great idea and then just botched the implementation a little bit and was kind of messy. Well, that didn't all getting work, into the, but it was still good enough. That starts getting into our season seven and 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 series whole rip here. Um, so let's let's save those thoughts for uh, our upcoming episodes. But yeah, I mean, as a episode, good to great. Uh, as a finale for Voyager, fitting uh, on several different levels, not all of them good, but uh, yeah, I I liked it. Certainly action heavy. Anything you want to leave this episode on? You know, uh, yes, I, I want to go back to form here. We've got a couple. We've got a couple examples. We've got Admiral Janeway. <sighs> Uh, having her way at all costs, whether it's the Klingon Korath uh, duping the crew, the past crew, uh, getting one final up on the Borg Queen. Uh, she was very deceptive, and in the end, the ends justified the means. Uh, Ferengi rule of acquisition number 299. After you've exploited someone, it never hurts to thank them. That way it's easier to exploit them the next time. <laughs> and that we'll finish our reviews of star Trek Voyager, but it is not the end of V'ger please. As we have said, we've got two more episodes left to provide to you folks. And next time you'll hear us give season seven of star Trek Voyager. It's rip. It deserves rest in peace. Voyager season seven. And we'll see you then. 